Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, I can see the numbers counting. <clears throat> so we know it's we know it's really recording. Hopefully the battery holds out. We're at the last day of the permaculture technology jamboree. I think there's about 50 of us here, um, but there's only uh, five of us at this table willing to record a podcast. <laughs> so everybody, and currently uh, we're in the middle of lunch. So everybody, everybody, make your smacky sounds and then your. That's right. That's right. Yum, 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 yum. Okay. Yummy food. And uh, and at the moment there's just two fellows here. How many? What's our ratio of male to female? Do you think? I thought it was pretty even. Yeah, I think it's pretty even. Good representation. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> So, um, any ideas on why that might be? We're just we're just cool that way. Just right, yeah, not fabulous. Just fabulous. <laughs> I think that we're just we're all getting in touch with the fact that we all need to do something. It's not a male female thing. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the thing. Uh, I think that in many ways, I mean, this event was good, and I think that it would have been twice as good if it weren't so hot. So the big heat wave that everybody got to hear about, uh, we got we got either an edge of it or something like that, but um, we had, uh, I don't know, like an eight-day stretch where every day went over 100. And um, uh, two years ago, we didn't have a single day go over 100 here. And so it's like, wow, suddenly we are cooking. One of the days got to 107. Now, I know everybody's got their stories now about having gone through Salem, Oregon, or something like that. <laughs> It's like wow, it was 117 or something. So we got it. We we got hot, not as hot as the people further west from us. Um, we did a ton of stuff to try and help cool it off. Um, but really, we could have. I think in in hindsight, I mean, we could have done a bunch of stuff to make it even cooler still without resorting to an air conditioner. And um, we did have this when I bought this property. There was this air conditioner in this. It's a tiny air conditioner in this weird place like it's really in the wrong place so what we did was is we ripped it out of there and we went and we stuck it in the kitchen so that the cook <laughs> the cook wouldn't die yeah so um, so the food the food went on despite the heat waves um, <clears throat> I think it was pretty comfortable during the PDC though right yeah, we didn't have a lot of that really high heat until the Jamboree, and the PDC was so class-intensive that we weren't out in the sun really working underneath the heat. So I think that was good. Right. That's, that's the big thing is, like, we got a project, and it's outside, and it's hot outside, and what do you do? I mean, we have we now have a lot more misters than we had before, <laughs> including that stainless steel tank with the mister thing. Playing with the uh, mud 
and with a tarp over us, you know, just staying in the shade, but playing in the mud specifically helped a lot because we were pretty much immersed in just mud. Ah, that okay. So we had, uh, we got some canopies and we deployed those and then uh, out there where you're playing with the mud, we've got uh, a sunscreen, sunshade kind of thing and then over at the solarium, we had a couple of those sunscreens and then also in the um, pavilion, you know, we had a sunscreen thing, but I don't know, we added a lot of those canopies, those standalone canopies. Um, but anyway, I think that would be a whole other podcast. Like, what did we do to try and stay cool? And uh, augment that with what might we try next year if it gets hot again? But, okay, stepping away from that. <clears throat> um, projects for this year uh, included the uh, better solar food dehydrator. So basically, the solar food dehydrator we have now works quite well. And there's some discussion over, like, what could we do to make it even better? And part of it is, is like, okay, in the fall when you're harvesting food, it's cold at night. And it's like, can we harvest some of that sun so that it keeps moving the air through even at night? So adding a mass. And it's like, well, as long as you're adding mass, what if you added, like, a little rockety something or another in there to kind of heat the mass in another way? So that is being added also. So we were kind of like, can we come up with a solar food dehydrator that outperforms our current solar food dehydrator? Plus, then we'd have two. <laughs> you know, which is nice. Uh, the Skittable Rocket Sauna. Um, and so uh, that is boxed in, and the rockety bits, are, I understand, are getting installed this afternoon. And so, but I think the benches aren't put in yet. Is that... Have you guys been up there? I haven't seen inside of it. Um, I know it's all framed out and uh, ready for the rocket, which they worked on yesterday. Um, so that's being installed. And then I think it's pretty much ready for a test run. Although this is probably not the weather for it. <laughs> so I'm I'm not a sauna person like ever. I don't. I think the last time I had a sauna was when I was 16. So I'm like <clears throat> I'm not the judge, but I understand people want the sauna a lot, and so it's kind of like, okay, I mean, people want it so much that one of our um, most generous pod people sent us a wooden bucket with a wooden ladle and a bunch of other sauna stuff about seven years ago, hoping that a sauna will manifest around it. And so it's like, but, and then other people here keep talking about, I want to build a sauna. I'm just going to do it. And so now, now it, now it's like 95% complete in the home stretch. But it's possible that in order to finish it, the boots might be finishing it after the PDJ is done. Or since it's so warm right now and there's going to be so many little projects that the boot camp is going to be finishing, um, it's possible that it'll wait until the October event, uh, the Rocket Mass Heater Jamboree. And then, and then we'll get it finished. But that, but at that point, people will probably want to be using it. So, yeah. Uh, 
All right. Next up is the solarium. And so this has to do with our winter event. So in January, there's going to be the garden master course. And we need a place. We need warm bunks for people that are here for a January event. And so we've, we're converting the garage to be... Um, oh, and here comes oh, nice. Mr. Solarium now. Hello, I'm Mr. Solarium. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my name's Des. So Des has been on a few podcasts recently. And um, so you're in charge of the solarium project. We're just starting to talk about it for the winter events we needed more bunks and so we're basically um, uh, converting the garage to be a space that's kind of like a, a bunkhouse kind of a thing but we're right. adding this big solar bump out how big is it the depth will be seven and a half feet from the end of the bunk room and then the height is roughly seven to eight feet at the lowest corner okay mm -hmm. okay so uh, and lots and lots and lots of glass lots of glass so there's two uh, walls that are entirely glass the east and the west wall because of the sliding glass doors and then the south wall which is you know where the sun comes in has two large windows okay all right a lot of round wood uh, yeah, a lot of round wood and an interesting foundation made of dry stack. All right, dry stack foundation. Um, I, I think it's looking very handsome. And I saw the sills, and of course, there's some joinery going on in order to make it really rock solid. Speaking of rocks. <laughs> okay. So, dry stack rocks. Dry stack rocks. Yeah, in, in case. dry stack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, um, I mean, I think we could make a whole podcast just about dry stack, including the foundation and Justin who's been working on the project over there is nodding like a fool <laughs> like I think I think that the, the, the body language I'm getting is damn right and so uh, he did a lot of work Justin did a, put a lot of hours into that dry stack yeah, yeah. yeah maybe I should just take a moment to kind of go around and say like uh, uh, the PDJ is this uh, is this working out for you so I'll start with Leah Ooh, on the spot. Uh, yeah, so I started with the PDC, which was a very intensive uh, classroom, two weeks. Uh, and so it was a big switch to the P PTJ. Uh, very different vibe, very free-flowing. Uh, which How I appreciated. was the PDC? PDC was incredible. Uh, so much information and so, yeah, you could do. I mean, I think 10 out of 10, right? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and the PDJ, how did we do? I would say <laughs> fabulous. <is> <laughs> fabulous in terms of what you titled it to be, which was, which was a clusterfuck. clusterfuck. Thank yeah. you. I, I didn't want to yeah. say it for I, you. I think we did a little bit better than a clusterfuck. Um, I think, yeah. Clusterfuck light. But I think that, um, you know, for what we build it as, we didn't do too bad considering, because like with the the uh, PDC, all we got to do is, is get Alan Booker here. <laughs> right. We're done. But for the PDJ, it's kind of like we had a lot of instructors lined up. Um, several of them didn't come, and the excuse they used was the COVIDs. And, um, and I think we just kind of like, we'll figure it out when the time comes, and we'll make the best of it. And I think we did pretty good. I mean, so. I think everybody, the feedback I've gotten from almost everybody is, is like, there were too many tracks as it was. Like, there's a lot of people are upset that, there, that, that, that a couple of things that they wanted to do were both happening at the same time. 
So I actually, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't do more tracks. I liked that there was a, a good variety of tracks and that it was more free-flowing so that you could jump from one to the other or you could stay at one or two if you were really getting into it. Um, so I liked that change. I liked the free-flowing nature of it. I think the struggle with instructors getting here, the COVID, the heat wave, that was all stacked against and we're still having a blast. We're having fun with it. So yeah, I think considering I think the heat and the instructor no-show rate, which is not too bad, really. We had like only three that didn't show up. Yeah. Um, but but we felt the dent when there was a couple of things where people wanted to do it, and it's like, well, we don't have an instructor for that. So, you know, then people kind of like, well, no, I'm cool with one of the other things. So it's like, well, that worked out. Yeah, and that's where the variety really helped out. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's my thought. Hey, everybody. This is Opalyn, and I was here for the PDC, and it was a lot of classroom, a lot of information, really amazing uh, learning experience. And then I stuck around for the PTJ, and I'll be here for the Skip event, too. So for the most part, I've been focusing on badge bit projects and dabbling a little bit in the Rocket Mass Heater project um, and really having a great time. Uh, you know, I was really paying attention to what the weather was and whether I wanted to be outside digging a sealed pond test or whether I wanted to do that tomorrow at 8 a.m. instead of at in the afternoon or after 10. So just so PDC, 10 out of 10? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Previous PDC experience? I do. I have a certificate from Jeff Lawton online, and then I um, sort of dabbled in some others and watched the 2017 Fermi's videos with Tim Barker, and that was really helpful and gave me a good foundation so that I didn't drown. Um, <laughs> when Alan was talking because frankly every 90 minute class could have been a two day or two week thing so there's a lot of information it's weird how you can pack so much in in an hour absolutely yeah alright you want to hand it off hi um, I'm Mona um, I got here for the PTJ and I was actually here because of the Kickstarter for Skip um, and I have to say um, the badge bits to become Pep one certified. Those were a lot of fun. It's uh, almost like a scavenger hunt, figuring out what it is that you need to do, what you need to post, and and you know what, sometimes when you don't get exactly what it was, it's just a learning experience. Um, I learned how to back up a trailer. I learned how to run an excavator. I learned how to make a cob sink. And we played with uh, horse poop <laughs> and clay <laughs> and um, I have to say you know making the the seed balls uh, they'll they'll come in handy I mean it's really really smart everything that we've learned uh, definitely has its applications um, I, I don't regret a single moment and then you brought us treats oh yes times. <laughs> <laughs> and made guacamole right nice so see I think I think yeah you were kept asking what people wanted and the next thing you know it was there I, I remember getting some cherry ice cream um, and uh, I don't know it seems like there was constant a constant flow of treats from Mona just needed to, to make sure everybody had extra bonus goodies all right um, I made it I've got a few other items on the on the list here for the PDJ and and Des is snuck away I don't know where he went oh he's doing his dishes oh okay uh, 
Um, <clears throat> so we'll hear from Des more later. Hugo cultures. I heard that the Hugo cultures were like a big win. Who who made Hugo cultures? Just I built mine last October when I was here for BB20. So not this summer. Okay. All right. I helped with the excavator for doing the Hugo cultures. So there are other people doing their Hugo culture BB, and you went up there and like let me run the excavator for yeah. a minute. Okay. Three right. scoops. I got three scoops. Got three scoops. Oh, it was awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Um, the Wafati greenhouse. So it's like it is like what 99% done 99.5 so close and so beautiful uh, Josiah is really doing a beautiful job on it um, I went up to the lab not yesterday the day before and he was showing me the insides and outs and he was framing um, to put in the tubs for the gray water right. um, and explaining about it it's, just, it's a beautiful spot even even if it's for gray water, we were talking about how wonderful it would be to just hang like a little hammock inside in the middle of winter and have this beautiful view out into your out into your gardens and such. With a, with a standard temperature of about 83, 84 degrees, I mean that would be amazing in the winter. Warm, comfortable. So along along those lines, <clears throat> I know that when because the glass is in on the on the greenhouse mm-hmm. and um, I, Helen Atta was here and so she wanted to see it in fact uh, I didn't say that's what I was going to show her so I took her up there and then she's like looking at Allerton Abbey and we're kind of showing her Allerton Abbey she's very impressed and and then she started explaining to me about this friend of hers who had a a passive greenhouse (laughs) and I said well does it does it like have a fan to move the air around oh yeah it's got a couple fans but they're solar they're solar fans but they're fans and so there's kind of explaining that and and I and I said but couldn't they do it like without a fan and she says I don't think so I think it has to and I said well we tried it right here so we're walking around the building and it's like so now she's like oh I gotta go tell all these people all about that and so um, but the big thing is is like okay we're standing in the greenhouse the glass is in and the sun is beating in and it's a hundred degrees outside and um, when you're standing in the sun in the greenhouse it's probably 105, 110 but when you're standing in the shade over by the mast it feels like 85 and I think somebody actually measured it that it was 85 so it's it's already like you know um, absorbing the summer heat and getting charged the mass is getting charged so um, I'm I'm really excited about what the results will be like but the other thing is that that all three of you uh, on a hundred degree plus moment have a chance to step into Cooper cabin who So it was a very, very hot day, and we set up a uh, sunshade outside so that we could mix cob, Mm -hmm. and then we went inside, and oh my goodness, it was 70 to 72 degrees while we were in there, and I think it crept up to like 74 because we went in and out a bunch of times, but we packed cob into the walls, and it was amazing. It was a very workable, comfortable temperature. It was really nice. So we got the cob infill done on uh, one of the walls and um, had a great time doing it. Okay. So my so just to, just to clear things up, 
more than 100 degrees outside, yes. 72 inside. After we'd been in and out a few times. Okay. Yeah. And and it's like the, the important thing, no air conditioner. No. This is just the mass is charging, so it's, it's sucking the heat out of the room in order to charge the mass. So there's no air conditioner. There's no uh, thermosiphons like there is in the greenhouse. There's there's no other passive technology to cool it. It's all the mass and how the windows are positioned and everything that the way the structure was built. It was lovely to be in there. Okay. All right. We retreat from the heat. All right. So were you there? Yes. Yes. Uh, the first day when you took us for tour, uh-huh. uh, we we all decided to stay in there for a little while to cool down. Right. And then doing that, like I said. It was a sweet retreat from the heat. Right, right. I think when we did the tour, it was like 100 degrees outside, yes, wasn't it? it was. I don't remember seeing a thermometer in there, but I was thinking like, oh, wow, it's just so delicious in here. Yeah, we really didn't want to leave it. You were having yeah. a hard time. You were yeah. like, so what else can I show you? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay, let's go over here and look at how this mass operates. Let's talk about the cold plug and how that works. <laughs> well, you, know, you know what we did do during the tour, which I didn't written down here, is that we went into the gr- brand new, Willow feeder, which is the first indoor willow feeder. Tell tell us about that experience and what happened. You couldn't smell anything, and and we, I think we even checked to see if it had been used. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was questionable. We were like, was it? I mean, people have been here, and you look, and okay, yeah, but you can't smell it. And we put, like, what were there, five of us, five or six of us? There was, I think, seven of us. Oh, okay. And so we all crammed into the same space, and Paul's sitting up on the on, on the toity, and he's like, tell me what you smell. <laughs> Nothing. And, and Josiah said, there's 15 poops in here right now with us in this little closet with seven of us packed in like sardines. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. Um, and and there was room for all of us too. So, <laughs> but on a that was one of the things that we were doing as far as putting the cob in and stuff. We were we were trying to get that set up for the other space for the uh, shower that's going to be put in there too. Right. But as far as the willow feeder, you couldn't smell it. It was a comfortable sit, and it's uh, it's working. Yeah. All right. So we have another willow feeder, um, and that was put together by the Boots just before the events and um, oh I think I've got like at least three or four podcasts of stuff to talk about about all the stuff that the boot camp did before the event started and uh, all of the comedy that happened um, Willa Wonka went on an adventure uh, kind of like remember how in the in the will uh, the, the Wonka Willa Wonka what what now I can't even say his name Willy Wonka Willy Wonka and the, the chocolate factory. factory the whole movie where he shoots up in the air with an elevator mm-hmm. yeah Willa Wonka did something like that but not quite but that's another story for another day um, so Leah did you go up there when it was nice and cool I didn't get to see all of that I was uh, that was the day after the PDC stopped so I went into town and got supplies and such uh, yeah. so, so I'll have to go up and take a look Allerton Abbey is quite comfortable as well uh, true, true. And did you do some of the um, whitewashing up there? I did, which was an adventure. <laughs> uh, so 
as part of the skip track, I believe, we uh, went up there for a morning and did some whitewashing on walls that had already been whitewashed. They still looked very nice, but they were worried about uh, the paint starting to chip and flake. So we scraped it down and we tried it in the morning and it didn't take. And there were several theories about what happened. So we thought maybe it was the mix that uh, the lime that we used may have been too old uh, and therefore didn't have the right chemical reaction when putting it on the walls. Um, and we also tried different proportions of the lime, salt, and water to see what would work. And what we came to, I went back and did a second round and attempted to fix it up. And we got a fresh bag of lime, went back to the basic recipe, um, and that seems to work. So we need to build those layers back up again. But it was a pleasant experiment because I was inside an Alex Navi on a very hot day. And, Didn't yeah. mind being cool. Very, very comfortable. Very comfortable. When it comes to whitewash, <clears throat> here's my impression at this time. It's um, one part the ingredients that you need and 10 parts human discipline to make it work out and um, and so far what I've learned is that um, we come up short on the human discipline and I kind of think like we really shouldn't be messing with whitewashing anymore until we can really nail down the human discipline because it's like last year they had these exact or not last year two years ago when we put that whitewash up there that you peeled off the exact same conversation happened multiple times and then and so then this year they're they're having those conversations again and it's kind of like um, wow everything about how the lime has to be fresh the lime has to be fresh the lime has to be fresh and it's kind of like and I kind of wonder if you don't slake it yourself is it really fresh you know how do you know it's fresh and so you and slaking lime is a big process and um, and maybe that's the thing we got to do is you buy the lime and then we have to slake the lime ourselves but um, I'm kind Kind of, because uh, it does. You have to put on like seven or eight coats of, of whitewash for it to work. Yeah, it's a slow process. It's yeah. certainly not something you can just whip out in a day or two. You really have to take your time with it uh, in order to get a good result. Let's talk about water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, water. Yeah. Water. The river is yeah. amazing. So, um, there's, 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 there's a wet spot around and, uh, and people, uh, went down there and, and, and got themselves wet during the heat and that I was all good. It's, it's, it seems accidental sometimes, but we just fall in. It's, it's so cool and so refreshing. And there's a couple of spots. First, we go get into the really cold one so that we get into the warm one. Well, <laughs> into the not as cold one. Oh, okay. <laughs> it feels great. All right. I, I kind of got the impression that some people were finding an excuse to get out there three times a day. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't lie about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd see a lot of wet clothes and some swimsuits and stuff like that. Um, but uh, the the big thing is is that our well here produces 200 gallons a day, 
and we had um, more than 50 people. And so 200 gallons a day, um, we, I think when we started the PDJ, the cistern was 40% full, and right now it's 18% full. So first, I think it's amazing that we didn't, that the cistern didn't go empty, because in past events, the cistern would go empty. And on the, on the PDC, for the first day of the PDC, um, we um, dropped 30%, which means that we used the 200 gallons that we get every day, plus we used 300 gallons more. So we used 500 gallons all in one day. And uh, so, uh, but, but we've been keeping it at maybe just a pinch over 200. We have some days where it goes up a little bit, but we've been kind of on a steady decline. Um, so we're using a little bit more than 200 gallons a day, but we still have water in the cistern. So I'm just kind of thinking like, wow, that's amazing human discipline for the group. amongst 50 some odd people per day. Now, the, the really beautiful thing out of that is that means that all 50 of them made a conscious effort to go easy because if even just one person decides to waste a bunch of water, then um, it would it would empty the cistern. Um, I mean, it wouldn't take much to empty the cistern. There's only 200 gallons in it right now. Well, 180 gallons in it right now. So a person could go and empty that in, in hardly any time. Um, and so I think we've been doing that really, really good. Now, uh, the next thing is, of course, we've got the well drilled up on the lab, and we've got a cistern up there ready to go, and um, uh, right now Fred is talking to the people that are going to be putting in the um, the pumps and the initial plumbing and things like that, So, and the amount of water that we're going to get out of that is 10 times more, so we should be getting about 2,000 gallons a day out of that, and so 10 times more water than what we have down here. Now, Mona, you, you, uh, what, tell us about, you've got those little rods I see you watering around with and stuff. What's, what's going on? Um, well, I brought my dowsing rods. Um, I do holistic health care, and uh, one of the things is finding water. Um, water is a high energy, and what you can generally find with the rods easiest is water or gold. Well, taking them is like um, with... Uh, if you were to take a fruit tree um, branch that uh, forks off, you could take that by holding the two ends and allow the, the front part to dip whenever you find water. That being said, with the dowsing rods, they're a little bit different. You start off by putting an intention in your mind and in your heart, and you allow your aura to help you um, find what it is you're looking for. Um, I asked Paul where, you know, he wanted me to look on the land and, you know, he pointed to a, a spot. And so I went up first and I, I started looking around the area and then I had others come up to see if they could um, recreate the same thing I had. Um, Jim, one of our instructors, has had some experience and so he went up there and he found a couple of the same spots just as strongly as I did. Uh, it we found quite a few spots up there, but the ones that we recreated are the two that I'm going to show you. Okay. Um, but there's there's a way to find the water, and then there's a way to find out how deep it is. So my, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll put this on record. Well, there you go. On record. <laughs> All right. So I think that's what everybody really wants. I'm saying that the well will be at least 120 feet down. Okay. Oh, and there's no maximum now. Um, Drill to the center of the earth and you'll find water. No, no, okay. no, no. All right. Um, 
I, I, sh- I showed Jim my method. Jim showed me his method, and he he seems to agree with me. So, so um, 120 feet to maybe as deep as to 240. about 200. Okay, yeah. okay, all right, yeah. all right. Uh, under the, and do you have any kind of vibrony on like how much water there might be there? We went out there looking for at least 4,000 gallons a day. Nice. Okay, so I want to see these spots. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll drill a, a second well here and we'll have more water. Now, granted, I kind of feel like for PDJ and um, things of that nature that having a little water scarcity makes for some valuable life lessons and it really teaches you how to conserve it. But I also think it's contrary to having a more luxuriant life. And, and so I think that the whole event would have been, especially when it gets to be so incredibly hot, the whole event would have been more luxuriant if we uh, had a lot of crisp, cold water everywhere um, and, and just like uh, oodles of it. Maybe even, uh, I, think, I think a few people suggested a swimming pool. Um, <laughs> that, that was one of the ideas. Uh, Opalyn, are you reaching for this microphone? She's saying, gimme, gimme. Gimme. So uh, on the note of water, Judy really helped. And Judy is a fire truck here. And so uh, Mags, one of the boot leaders, and um, various people would go to the river um, and fill up the tanks on Judy. And um, darn it, if we didn't happen to get wet or fall in or (laughs) trip or, um, you know, experience some of that really ice cold water. Because the little creek, uh, it's called First Creek, that is... Is cold. So uh, I gotta. So yeah, uh, Sub Commander Magdalene, we're calling her. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so she was kind of um, running the boot camp for uh, the PDC while uh, all the other boots were attending the PDC because uh, she had she'd only been here like uh, a, a few weeks before the PDC started, so she wasn't here long enough to do the work trade. Uh, but anyway, uh, um, but so she was going in because it was so hot. We were sending Judy in like a couple of times a day to go get more water to bring here. And um, uh, and then people would go with her to kind of assist, and somehow they all fell in. I don't know if it's slippery right there. Sure that happens. Yeah. yeah. But they would. Uh, the good thing, the good news is, is that the people that that fell in, which was all of them, they were all kind of dressed for it. Like nobody's <laughs> cell phone got wet. Uh, nothing like that. It would all worked out to be okay. Safety first. No one was coming back. <laughs> no one was coming back crying. Uh, uh, nothing like that. Everything was all. All right. <clears throat> so, um, and then the, the water for Judy, we were using, we've got a, um, a bunch of hookah cultures where they, uh, they've never had soil. It's just dirt on wood, and we're trying to grow things that are soil builders. We need to get soil so the wood will start to rot. So we're trying to keep those properly irrigated, proper gardens. Um, and so uh, Magdalene's been making sure that those have been getting plenty of water. Magdalene and Nina. Um, but anyway, all right. <clears throat> Speaking of the hugel cultures, those really steep ones up next to the house, one of the projects that seems to have been a huge hit this year, and it is every time we do it, is the scaffolding project. And um, so, Oakland, did you did you put some scaffolding up? Okay, maybe you should talk about it. So we um, actually we took 
um, revenge on the trees that fell on my tent. <laughs> on the very first night of the PDC, we had a bit of a thunderstorm and windstorm, and a couple of trees came down, actually four or five over around the property. And uh, so we went up and um, harvested four or five logs from that and brought them down and got started. And Mike had spent a couple of days um, earlier. He had gotten some verticals for us. And, um, yeah, learning roundwood timber framing strategies um, with a chainsaw and chisels and hatchets and making a really tight, snug fit so that you are capable and feel confident walking around on them is really important. I think the value of this project is that um, it's a great introduction to roundwood timber framing because um, you've, you've got to, I mean, first of all, you're kind of looking at some angles. You've got a whole lot of angles to play with to, to figure this out. And it's, and it's like, I don't think a level or a, a <laughs> transom or anything like that is going to help you at all. No. And it's like, it's all going to be eyeball. But the beautiful thing is, is that this is all half rotten wood already. And um, and it's gardening. It's in the garden. It's expected to rot away into nothingness. And so uh, you, you don't have to do an excellent job. But by doing it at all, by getting it to work at all, you certainly learn a lot about roundwood timber framing. Mostly it's like it's really not all that hard. It's it's pretty easy. I mean, but you know, of course, it's really easy when you can get be so sloppy, and and it's forgiving. Plus, since the wood's a little bit rotten, it kind of chisels a lot easier <laughs> than like some some greenwood or something like that, some new greenwood. So I kind of I feel like a lot of people when they do the scaffolding project, that when the whole thing is over, and they look back at what was my number one favorite thing that I did, like what was the most soul filling most of the people that I've talked to that have done the scaffolding in the past it was the scaffolding is it is it up there for you is it going to be number one yeah, it's it's up there. So I've been really focused on doing a lot of the skip programs and the permaculture um, badge bits. And it was the last roundwood project I had. So it was very notable to me in completing the roundwood um, woodworking badge. So that was super cool. So definitely on the short list of experiences for this event. Okay. One of the cool things right about that time that that came up is that uh, Thomas Elpel stopped by, and um, I think he had like 25 students with him. And uh, so we'd worked kind of a little bit of a trade. Like he would uh, teach for a day, and in exchange, we would give a pass to all of his uh, students to come to the PDJ. So um, I kind of got the impression that most of the people that jumped in on the Thomas Elpo class were people that had already been here at the PDJ, and then like almost all of his students jumped in on the PDJ. So I saw him everywhere. Every all the projects had like twice as many people on him from his uh, from his people, or like uh, the ratio was probably at least fifty fifty our people and his people because so many of our people were like not on our projects. But I thought that was cool. I thought that was a nice little thing and. And then plus, they kind of arrived in the middle of the second week, 
So it's like all the people, all of our people, we know who our people are. We've kind of gotten to know each other. And um, I thought we were great hosts. And um, it was... help helped get some of them out of the water <laughs> when they fell in. Oh, oh, oh. Because they went to go help with getting water yeah. and Judy. Okay, yeah. okay. And, and some of them fell in. Okay. Mm-hmm. All Absolutely. Right. All right, okay. Um <clears throat> It was a botany class, I believe, and um, uh, they seemed to really enjoy being here, and um, all of our people really enjoyed Thomas Elpel, and so um, I thought, man, let's, and so I asked Tom before he left, like, you want to do it again next year? And he said, sure, that was great. So, yes, let's do that again. He really gave like an in-depth like six-hour walk and class on the lab, which was really informative. He was here for the PDC for a night, which was a lot of fun. Hmm. And then this took it that extra level, really going out and having us try all sorts of yummy and not-so-yummy <laughs> Put it in your mouth. No. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is kind of his technique. Here, put this in your mouth. Chew it. Don't don't swallow it though, okay? No, no. Taste okay. What what did you what can you tell? This is terrible. Yeah, that's because it's poison. <laughs> and it's like not now spit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, see things that things that taste bad. That's because they're poison. That's <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a little more to botany than that. And he's like, well, this is kind of the important thing to know, see? <laughs> he made sure no one got poisoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, so it was great having him. Now, I've got just a couple more. Which of you, did any of you, uh, like, was this your first time welding or doing metalwork? No, none of you did any of that. I, okay, I know a lot of people did. So I had some new experiences with metalwork. So uh, last fall I made a kindling cracker at home before I came. And this um, at the PDJ here I did some, I turned some railroad ties into coat hooks and hat hooks and shelf brackets. So mm-hmm. used the oxyacetylene torch to heat up the metal so that I could bend them 90 degrees. Okay. So that was cool. So would, are they railroad, I think you said railroad ties. Spikes. Spikes. There we go. Yeah, that makes so much more sense to a podcast person. Uh, yeah, railroad spikes, um, which we got legally. <laughs> FYI, just in case someone's like already starting to dial, <laughs> you know, legally, everything's legal. Okay. Um, I'm only, uh, we did some stainless steel welding. I know that that was happening, was it yesterday? Um, and we made new urine diverters for all of the willow feeders, um, as my understanding. Oh, which, by the way, I don't know if any of you noticed, any of you women noticed, uh, we've got the, the brand new uh, boxes in all of the willow feeders. The shark care boxes. I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, good, because I had some feedback that was like, that's like I, like I, it's the dumbest thing ever. And I, no. so... So there, they, someone, I, I named it, uh, the, um, I thought on the top, on the, on the side it should say, uh, Shark Week First Aid Kit, and on the top it says, in case Shark Week caught you by surprise. <laughs> and so, um, inside are, cause like if you go to like a fancy pants place, they'll have like, you know, either a tampon dispenser, like put in 50 cents or something, or there'll be like, uh, like if you go to somebody's house, there might be a box under the sink or something and and I thought okay so 
how do we make this nicer? And we, we were talking about, we made the new signage, too. Did you see the new signage in there? Of course, oh, yeah. to you, it's not new. It's probably what's always been there. But, but it's fancier. <laughs> I think the sign that's in there that tells you on one side what is a willow feeder, and on the back, it's got, like, how to deal with all the different types of, like, types of ways of dealing with, with Shark Week. Like, you get there, you're, you're there, and you're like, so now we've got the little box. And I think they didn't like my wording, and so one of them has my wording, and the other three boxes has some other wording, and I can't remember. Oh, moon, moon aid or something like that. I can't. I didn't see, the, I didn't see that one. I saw the Shark Week one, which that's, I thought was cute. That's my poetry, which apparently somebody thought was too much, and so then they didn't do that on the other three. But is that someone who didn't know what Shark Week meant? Because there's a whole story behind of how you explain it before in another podcast and oh. what Shark Week is as opposed to why is there a box for sharks? <laughs> Maybe they didn't understand the title. Well, I don't know. I think that's kind of like Flem and Graham. Yeah, people walk into Flem and they're like, what, what am I walking into? <laughs> and that's a story for another day. The thing is, is I just kind of wanted to hear that, yeah, the, the one that says Shark Week, that's totally cool. Totally cool. Totally cool. And inside, uh, at this time, we currently have uh, a bunch of uh, brand new bandanas, all folded nicely, and um, and on one side it's all brand new, and on the other side it's empty. But it, I think there's there's a message that says new stuff and then used stuff. The idea is is that there could be a gal that has like the party in your pants stuff. The the um, it looks like uh, 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 what are they a mouse mattress? What do they call that? A, a pad. pad, a pad, a reusable pad, and um, and it's like maybe some gal uh, has uh, uh, entered into the crone phase and no longer needs them. You know, cleans them up, sterilizes them, sends them over here, and we could put them on the. Because one of the gals, when we were putting these together, one of the gals said she would prefer to use something used that's clean and sterile than to, to use something new because you know it's like. Why why buy more stuff? Don't they're, buy more stuff. They're called Glad Rags, or at least that's the brand we have. And they're reusable pads. And so, yeah, my daughters take, and we, we actually by hand scrub them out and everything and then lay them in the sun to dry. So that that is something that we... I knew a gal once where it's like all the rags in her house, when they got to the point where they couldn't be used as a rag anymore, that they would go into this container, and that was their function. But once, instead of cleaning them... Because these are rags that are all used up, she would bury the rags. Oh. And I kind of thought, and and she had like a little. She felt like it was a little ceremony because she felt like the whole thing about the monthly shouldn't be something to be ashamed of. It should be something to be grateful for. Like, and not not. Oh, thank God I'm not pregnant. But more like grateful as in like I'm I'm for whatever the stage of my life and this is part of who I am and and then so um and then so she'd bury the rags with the blood in in the ground like near a garden or something. She felt like that added something. We did that with placentas. Oh, okay. <laughs> when when our children were born and we kept the placenta, we ended up burying the placenta in the garden. 
the key is is that I'm kind of thinking like I think I think we did good on that one made made the Willow Peters a little cooler so um, but I've I've been getting a little pushback in that space and part of me is kind of like why the fuck is a guy doing this <laughs> we had this conversation around the Shiwis <laughs> yeah. we were talking about how we could fine tune the the trough style to make a little higher walls uh, just oh. to make the design a now, little bit nicer and you're like why don't you take this right yeah somebody somebody told me that I should contact the company because we don't use the sh- we don't use the Shiwi brand we use a different one because yeah. the Shiwi is the one that's the funnel and well, then it's right. like now you are soaking wet in urine um, so the funnel the funnel style ones all suck is my understanding <laughs> this is well we tried we bought one of every kind a few years ago and all of the women tried them all and the feedback I got was the only one worth keeping is the trough style one which I think might be called P style but you know I just call it the trough thing and then when you're done the back of it kind of works a little bit like a squeegee and so um, my understanding is it does a real good job uh, until you find a gal and which is one of the, one of the women reported this year like she tried it and she was saying now are you are you, are you validating what she said like you this is your experience as well. are you are you willing to go on record I will go on, on this record. recorded device I have no shame okay all right <laughs> uh, so the trough style I I prefer the trough style because you have that opening it's not a tube that's going to get clogged and back up at you that's where it gets really messy however as women we have varying speeds that we sometimes like to utilize so sometimes we wait a long time especially when there's not a lot of privacy we don't want to just drop our pants right in front of everyone we might wait a very long time and then we're full force and a little higher wall on the trough would help facilitate the exit. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we were talking about. So now, so until, you have to control the flow. until the PDJ, I had the, I had not heard this report, but the new report is is that if there was something where the the trough was a little deeper or in your words a little taller, yes, then it would be able to facilitate blast mode. <laughs> is, is this the yeah, blast yeah. mode? Is the correct term is it not absolutely yeah <laughs> see now as guys or at least myself i do not have any mode other than like you know on off like on off like like uh release the urine and then it's like okay there it's going yep mm-hmm. and uh stop the urine and that's that's all i got but um now i have heard and uh that women on the other hand can be like exactly what you're saying. like i have i have decided to blast in such a way to see if i can remove the enamel from the interior <laughs> of the toilet when necessary, yes, we have many gears. Right, right. And when and we're in a hurry, we, we blast as hard as we can so that other people aren't walking up on us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it could be that. And that was another suggestion of, of having nice little areas that are just a little more private um, for when we're doing that. To we're avoid on, the full force. Flow. Not only are we working on that, but there's BBs for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we've got BBs for that to get that. So we should hopefully get be better at that next year, at, mm-hmm. at providing a little bit more privacy. But um, at the same time, I kind of believe, and I could be wrong, that the little trough 
style things, just that alone gives you a huge amount of additional privacy. Now, I believe on the first day of the PDJ, I was walking up the driveway and something caught my eye off to the right. I believe it was Mona. Um, Mona does not use the trough. <laughs> I cop a squat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have no shame. I, yeah. Wherever I got to go, I got to go. That was about <laughs> nine feet away, and I'm staring at a And I think I, I you know, figured out what was going on because I was like, what? what? And then I realized what was happening. <laughs> And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. But that, that takes skill. You have to learn how to pop the squat in the right way and on the right slope so it doesn't slip down on onto your, your feet. feet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, especially when you like being barefoot like me. You don't be walking around with yeah. a stink foot. <laughs> so the trough just helps to aim if you're you're still practicing that, that squat technique. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm learning so much you here. You had no idea I was yeah. going to digress to this. Yeah. I was just, uh, just, uh, but I do think that if the trough works, like if, if it's going to be okay, I think it gives, you would end up with more privacy than a guy. And so I, I think the feedback I've had is that there have been some women that are like, no way, I'm not going to pop a squat and I'm going to do everything in the willow feeder, period. And then, the, then they got the trough and they're like, oh no, the trough is awesome. I'm using the trough all the time now. And so it's like, that's a solution because I think um, most permaculture places where they have a place to go um, and then it's like hey everybody you know pee outside and everything and then everybody nods their head but 70% of the women are shaking their head on the inside like I'm not going to do that (laughs) no way there is a psychological hurdle there that you have to get over Um, yeah who can see me who can hear me who can you know and then if somebody sees my butt what are they going to say you know because some of us have tattoos in places (laughs) I I saw your butt I think part of what threw me off was all the tattoos I was like I wasn't sure what I was looking at there for a second and it took me a moment like to figure it out and it was because you know it's like somebody wearing camouflage it's like a little bit like what am I looking at here? And so it's like, uh, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, but I was walking, walking by and you were like only nine feet off the road. <laughs> You're like, yeah. So now, I don't think, I don't think people could, uh, could hear that expression that was on your face. No, no. Whatever. I, I didn't really care. It was just like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Her expression is like, whatever. Don't you know? do. Yeah. <laughs> It is what it is. So I, I think that there was a, a rhubarb over that way that's probably pretty happy. Oh, well, after, okay, so I've given birth to eight children. Yeah. So basically after every doctor has played Johnny Bench, you know, making sure that, you know, he's, he's a good catcher. Oh, uh, oh <laughs> Johnny Bench is a baseball player. Okay, yeah, so, okay. so I, don't, I don't have a problem with, you know, just dropping and going because, yeah. look, I think the world's seen it anyway. Yeah. I'm just not trying to put it on display. So if you look this way, you might see something, but it's it's not, you know. Hi. Okay. I, I saw something. <laughs> a lot of tattoos. Because I looked that way, yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, right. We're cool with that here. I'm moving on. And so um, don't make a show out of it. All right. I'm moving on. All right. Tried to, tried to be respectful. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Okay. So you got the avocados. I've got, yeah, <laughs> the avocados joke. Okay, um, before we get into what the avocados joke is, I, I've got only a couple more notes here about the, the PDJ. And the PDJ, the lunch is over. Look, there goes everybody. Look, they're all over there. What are they doing? I don't know. Okay, so I, I've got only two more little things. 
One is is that this morning we talked about stuff that we'll do for next year. Like, what are some of the big improvements? One of the big things that I thought was really good, um, and I think everybody said the best idea for improvement. Do you remember what the best idea for next year is? Well, I, I'm sorry, I can cheat and look at your sheet, but yes, yeah. the Badger track is really exciting. Oh, I was thinking the number one idea was, was this one here. Badger. See, you're looking at my list. Yeah. The sergeant. Uh, somebody said that we needed a sergeant. Oh, oh, that's, I thought was more like infrastructure-wise. So oh, okay. having a sergeant to keep things on task and uh, things running, making sure the teachers have the materials they need and uh, things are moving along. That, I think, is a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, we, all kinds of different things. But I, I kind of think it should come from the, the boot camp. And I, I yeah. kind of feel like, so let's, what we really need is a sergeant for the boot camp. And then, um, and then that's, that'll be the sergeant for the PDJ. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, that's the play. Um, and, and we had a long chat about what that means and stuff. But um, that's another discussion for another day. The next thing was is that um, everybody felt like the number of tracks is just right this year um and i kind of wonder a little bit about like um i thought we might add some more and a lot of people were like no do not add more this is too many as it is uh would you guys agree with that well only because we want to make sure that we wrap up things we don't want to leave things undone okay and we're also going from one thing to another and learning and to be able to get time in where say if something was clogged up and we needed to take more time you know we we have that opportunity especially with the awesome instructor the instructors that we have had this time so in order to not overwhelm them you know, as long as we have it, you know, I, I also want it to be longer. But that's that's me. <laughs> well, I wasn't of. here those those other weeks for the PD, uh, PDC. So okay, all right. Well, I mean, at the boot camp, kind of is this in a way but but this is kind of like the instructors it's the boot camp plus instructors plus a whole bunch of other people so so many projects just go so much faster and um and then plus you've got like uh all this other knowledge being added all at once and and getting all mixed around so that as other instructors go and visit uh other projects that are not their projects they can you know there, there are a lot of the discussions that the different instructors have together i think is pretty profound so the thing, my thought on the uh, having more tracks, I would say if you had reliably um, struck instructors on those tracks to make sure that they're running smoothly, then I would say, yeah, go for more tracks. The variety would be cool. Um, the instructors that we had here on the tracks that we had uh, were fantastic. It's my my concern is that adding more tracks where they're it's kind of like see if you can do it. Good luck. Okay. I'm worried about that. I I kind of think that you know what I want to do. I mean now that the because we had some trouble like trying to describe the event to the instructors you know before and plus the other thing is we we built this event two years ago and then um uh but then of course the covids and so we we skipped last year and so we're then we're trying to like massage the event into this and then we're trying to convince instructors to sign up to come out while we're still in the throes of the covids and they're kind of like nope nope i'm out and um 
anyway, all kinds of wackadoodle stuff. But uh, now that they understand what we're trying to do, I think that the next step is going to be to say, all right, instructors, what do you want to do while you're here kind of a thing and, and make an arrangement like that. So each instructor is kind of <clears throat> doing their thing. So that each track might be more based upon an instructor, which is kind of what we had here. So like we had Zappity Zip was Rodney and then Earth and Fire was Mud and um, the uh, sauna was Eric and, and so each track was kind of tied to one instructor and that worked really well I think um, and they adapted really well to uh, the free flowing nature of it so um, yeah I worked a lot with with Mud with Chris uh, Uncle Mud I guess is, he's called and that was fantastic to have him as a go-to get me set up uh, working with the slip straw and those different activities and then I could go for a while and mm-hmm. as long as I had someone to go back to at the end to to check in with and go can you show me the next step or can you just give me some advice here or there I think that's another thing too is most people get drawn to a particular instructor and spend most of their time with that instructor although that's the format cool. is is that you can wander away mm-hmm. anytime you want and and what's the things that are going on you can either watch or participate as much or as little as you want or you can just go watch the clouds pass and I noticed that when the weather gets hot a lot of people opt for clouds are quite pretty then <laughs> yeah <laughs> of them actually I took pictures of the clouds since I was here so I I kind of I kind of feel like I like the format yeah. Then if you're getting burned out or whether it's the heat or like I'm just, man, I went up there and I worked with those rocks for two hours. I feel like I probably uh, lost 10 pounds doing that. And uh, now I just need to sit where it's cool and take it easy. Okay, Opalyn, uh, how would more tracks, less tracks, just the right amount. Uh, I think six to eight tracks is probably a good number. Um, we had ten on the schedule, and uh, seven or eight of them were, like, well-staffed and well-run. Um, a couple of them didn't have a lot of interest and or didn't have an instructor, and so they basically didn't happen. Um, but I think seven or eight is a good number, so if you, um, like, schedule for ten and then you actually have seven, I think that probably worked worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed, like, the ability to go and check out. I, I have some a little bit of background in rocket mass heaters, and it was really great to see one being built and to, like, be able to watch it periodically as it develops. So that was super cool about the flexibility of, of all the tracks, too. Um, the one we kind of had a couple suggestions for tracks, and uh, the one the one track I really like the idea of adding if we were to add one is the Bodger track, which I think is what you were trying to read off of my notes. And and you uh, well because you were talking about tracks and about the actual PTJ event, I was like, oh yes, talk about that. <laughs> so then uh, a Bodger like Bodger stuff is going to be on one end, you're going to whittle a spoon. And on the other end, uh, it's going to be like roundwood timber framing stuff, which we we had both of those here. I mean, did, did any of you whittle a spoon? No, but what? None? No, but you also, you also mentioned uh, the idea of uh, something in between where you right. have the structural wood, but then also weaving um, weaving wood into chairs and okay. furniture stuff like that. So that I think I think the one of the bodger things that's pretty mm-hmm. common is the whole thing about um, making a really nice lightweight uh, kitchen chair 
from um, from Greenwood. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to include a pole lathe, and um, you're going to, I mean, it, it takes a lot to put together a really nice kitchen chair as a bodger. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I just kind of thought like that, I don't think that that would fit because it takes, it takes a long time. Even even a skilled bodger probably wouldn't be able to build a single chair in two weeks. Maybe he could, but it would be it'd be a full court press. But to say, okay, here's seven people, and all seven people are going to try to make a chair. It's like I don't I don't think that group could do it in two weeks. Chairs chair is some pretty advanced bodging. Now I do think that it would be something where it's like <clears throat> you could. Because one of the things I've thought of in the past is to, like, take this event, which, by the way, I'm kind of looking at it, and it's like, okay, the heat probably, if, if it weren't for the heat, then I think the event would have been twice as awesome. And the heat really took a lot out. Mm-hmm. But um, despite the heat, I think that the event was still a strong win. Um, and, um, and it's kind of like part of what I've been thinking for the last four years is basically to have this event but have it have like 12 tracks and it and it goes 30 days and on any given day there might be more than a hundred people and it would be mostly up at the lab and so but I think and it's like one of the things that would be one track would be a natural swimming pool Um, I think that um, doing spring terraces would be good as well as uh, humus wells I think a lot of water stuff about how to do permaculture water harvesting would be a big part of some kind of event like that but anyway this is um this is what i've kind of been envisioning so i kind of feel like oh work has resumed so i think i think that concludes it i was going to talk about the cob sink but i think my memory of how microphones work is the microphone is now recording that tenfold, and I'm one-tenth. Well, if people want to check more about the Cobb sink, I believe Uncle Mud was filming uh, updates as he went, so there will be video on that. If you like this sort of thing, <laughs> come up to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about permaculture technology, homesteading, and fur. <laughs> Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.